to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 here as we continue through the book of Thessalonians. Last week we were looking at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the return of the Lord and how on the day when he comes back that the Lord himself will return, that he will resurrect those who have died in Christ to himself and will reunite all of those who are in Christ together with him for all eternity. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul gives some more details about the coming of the Lord and the impact that that should have on us here today. Please follow along with me as I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we, are belong, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Let's pray for God's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we acknowledge that we are hopeless and helpless to understand your word apart from your spirit. And so, Father, as we have set this time aside this week, here this morning, Father, we pray for you to send your spirit into our hearts and enliven the truth of the gospel and impress it upon us that we would be ready. And for the honor of your name, we pray. Amen. It is more likely that you have been preparing for what you are going to do on Easter Sunday. It has been, it's more likely that you have been considering your plans for the summer. It is more likely that you have been pondering what your life will be like in 10 years or 20 years. It is more likely that you are considering what your own retirement will be like and possibly even the livelihood and retirement of your children and even maybe the education of your grandchildren, it is more likely that you are preparing and thinking about those things than you are for the coming of the Lord. Part of the reason for this is that we read in Scripture that Jesus is coming and unlike the church in Thessalonica, which was only some 10 years, 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they thought that Jesus was going to be coming at imminently in their lifetime. And so as questions arose as to believers who were dying, their question was like, well, when is he coming and when is he coming back? But for us, some 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it seems more likely... It seems that it'll be a greater reality that my grandchildren and great-grandchildren are going to grow up in this country and get an education and a livelihood in this country. That seems more likely to us than the fact of the, 
than the fact of Jesus' return. Yes, we believe it's coming, but the way that we view his coming and the way that we view his return and whether or not it is imminent has a huge impact on how we live our lives today. Here in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives greater details about that and calls us to know how to prepare for the coming of the Lord. In this passage, it's a little bit of a difficult passage because Paul mixes a lot of metaphors together. But Paul's basic point is this, is that the Lord is coming, and are you ready? So to end and in here, Paul begins by giving some details of the coming of the Lord. How the coming of the Lord will be sudden, and in particular that it will be sudden and unpredictable, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It will come suddenly, and it will come unpredictably. You know, there are certain things in life that are sudden and also predictable, kind of like fireworks on the 4th of July. Maybe why you conveniently stop your car at the top of the Solomon's Bridge at 9 o'clock on July 4th. Because though they are suddenly going to appear, you know that they are coming, and it's somewhat predictable. But the trouble with burglars is that they don't tell you when they're coming. They are sudden and unpredictable. You don't know when. There is no postcard. They're not giving you a warning. They don't send you a text message that they're coming. Though St. Mary's County Sheriff's might, as some of you are aware. But they're sudden and unpredictable. Now, periodically, there are periodic quacks who articulate reasonable arguments and give articulate arguments predicting the date and time of Jesus' return. And they argue that they've deduced this from Scripture. The problem is is that they haven't read Scripture in doing that because Jesus said this, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. So too, on a separate occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Paul's point in the point in Scripture is this. Nobody knows when the Lord is going to return, and that includes you, and you can't know it either. And the same unpredictability that characterizes a burglar in the night will characterize the return of the Lord. Not only is it sudden and unpredictable, it is also sudden and unavoidable. In verse 3, Paul writes, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape, like labor pains for a pregnant woman, something that they cannot escape, they cannot avoid, they cannot elude the labor pains, they cannot hide from them, they cannot talk their way out of particularly in a day and age when C-sections weren't readily available. But it's sudden and unavoidable. And so suddenly, in the middle of the night, the burglar breaks in. Suddenly, in the midst of pregnancy, labor breaks in, and Christ's coming will be sudden and unpredicted and sudden and unavoidable with no warning and no escape. Given that reality, how do we get ready? Paul describes it like this. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk 
at night. There are two reasons why people are surprised by a burglar. One is that it is that the burglar comes during the middle of the night when they can't see and it is unpredicted. And so the way to get ready for a burglar is that some people might try to predict it. And some people might try to predict the coming of the Lord and the Lord's return. But Paul's already just described that that's a dead end. You don't know when he's coming. You can't do anything about it. You can't change it. So you can't predict it. Well, if that's the case, how do I get ready? And the way you get ready is not by knowing when he is coming, but being ready for him when he does come. And that is to prepare for his coming. Not as an if or not as a maybe, but when he does return. That the solution is not in knowing when, but being ready when he does come. Okay, well that helps a little bit. Well then, how do I get ready for the sudden and certain coming of the Lord? Paul seeks to address this, but he does it by switching images here. Switching images and he switches metaphors. So how do I get ready for the sudden coming of the Lord? Well, that depends. And it depends who you are. And this is going to take a minute to give some background to what Paul is saying. In the Word of God, it divides history into two different ages. In the Old Testament, it was referred to as the present age and the age to come. And the present age was the age in which the Old Testament believers were living in. The age to come was the time of the Messiah, when the time when he would come. And the present age, at the time of the Old Testament, was sometimes portrayed as night, as a darkness, and when Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, it was portrayed as day. That people were living in the midst of a long night, and when the Messiah comes, it would be like dawn breaking in. That there would be daylight that would come and flood the earth. Indeed, several hundred years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied this in this passage that we often look at at Christmas time. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then it goes in the familiar passage. How does this light have shone? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And the passage continues. But Isaiah's point is that when the Messiah comes, it is the inbreaking of daylight and of light into darkness. And Scripture teaches that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and the new age has come when Jesus has come. That Jesus' incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, brought about a new era. It has ushered in day into the darkness. The beginning of John's gospel, he articulates this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That in Jesus, he is the light of the world who is entering into the darkness. And as he is entered in by Jesus, King Jesus, that we just celebrated and praised here this morning, that the king has come, and Jesus coming to this earth, that Jesus was proclaiming the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. Jesus himself said, He came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Why did he say that? Because the new age has dawned. That Jesus has come. The light of the world has entered into the darkness. So then that begs the question, which age are we in right now? And the answer is both. Sort of. 
that you definitively are in one or the other. You are either in an age of darkness or you are in the light. You are definitively in one another. But at this present time, both of those are currently present. There are people who are in the light and people who are in the darkness. There are people who are in the present age in the Old Testament language and there are people who are in the age to come. At the same time, the old age is still here. It is not yet gone. And at the same time, the new age, the age of the Messiah, is not yet fully here. And this is where the image of light becomes particularly helpful. A few years ago, we were in Sedona, and we were driving back to Phoenix in the the wee hours of the early morning. And those of you who've been out to the desert, you know just how beautiful it is and how you can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles in every direction, both to the left and to the right. And as we were driving back down from Sedona, we, we, we started in the pitch black of night. And the blackness of the night and the darkness of the night in the desert is this choking, all-consuming darkness. And as you are driving into it, it feels like you are just driving into darkness, and it just keeps going, and it is around you, and it just all consumes you in every different direction. Well, as we were driving south, the sun crested, began to the sun began to rise, and there were rays of sunlight hurling, started hurling across the desert in these magnificent and gorgeous colors. And as we were driving there, is that you could do one of two things. If you turn and face the, the light, you were in the midst of this bright and blinding light. But at the same time, you could turn the other direction and still see the blackest of nights. Both of those th- things being there in the dawn of this new day. And now we are living at a time, as Scripture describes, where these two ages overlap, where there is a darkness that is consuming and choking, and at the same time, a light that destroys the darkness and a light that is blinding. Indeed, the Apostle John articulated this dawn this way. He said, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. And the reason why it is already shining is because Jesus has already come. Now, it is only at Jesus' return will this overlap be no more, that the transition will be over, that the old age will vanish and those who belong to it will be destroyed and the new age will be consummated, fully and finally redeemed for the entire cosmos. And what Scripture identifies here is that those who are not followers of Jesus, those who are not believers, belong to the old age, to the age of darkness, and those who believe in Jesus Christ already not as a future point, but already have been transferred to the new age into the light. That already God has brought us out of darkness into light. And that's what he says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Why does he need to identify this? Because there are people in darkness all around them. There is the overlap. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or... We are not of the night or of the darkness. That both believers and unbelievers are present, Christians and non-Christians. More broadly, there is good and there is evil. There is light and the darkness, both of those things overlapping. So this brings us back to our question. How do you prepare for the coming of the Lord? Well, it depends if you are in light or you are in the darkness. It depends on the age that you belong to, if you are still in darkness or you are already in the light. Now... If you are still in darkness, how do you prepare for the Lord's return? Notice what he writes in verse 3. He says, well, people are saying there is peace and security. 
Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Is that what will happen for those who are in darkness? Is that the sudden, certain, unavoidable, unpredictable return of the Lord will come and will bring destruction upon those who are in darkness and they will not escape? Is the destruction that is inevitable? And this may be for you. It is something that is unavoidable. It is a destruction that is complete and total. And Paul gives a description of how people are acting of those who are in darkness. And for those who are in darkness, the way that they're acting at the time of Paul, and so too today, he says this, is that there are people who are saying, peace and security. Everything's fine. Why do I need to learn about the coming of the Lord? I don't even know if I believe that or not. Why do I need to worry about God? I don't even know if I believe that. Everything's fine right now. And in particular, the Apostle Paul is picking up on a phrase that the Roman government used during the Pax Romana, for those of you that are familiar with that, during the age of Roman peace where Rome had established its kingdom across, er, across Europe and down over Palestine and across North Africa, the age of Roman peace. And they would publicize and they'd write signs around that said, peace and security, peace and security. The Old Testament of way of saying, or the, the ancient way of saying, don't worry, the government will take care of it. And that's what the government was saying. Everything will be fine as long as you have your allegiance to Rome and Rome is in charge because Rome will bring, bring peace and security. There are some that might articulate that kind of hope in the government today, but not as many. But where this is more likely articulated in our circles and around here is people say things like this. You know, do I need to get right with God? Yeah, I'm just going to do that later. I'll get right with God at some later point in my life. I mean, if there is a God, I don't need to deal with that now. I mean, I want to live a little. I want to figure some things out. I want to explore, explore these things. I'll get right with God later if there really is a God. Sometimes, real conversation that I've had with multiple people, people will say, you know, what will happen if I meet God? Well, actually, I'm looking forward to meeting God because God has some questions for me that he's going to need to answer. Do I need to be concerned about me? Oh, well, no, I've got peace and security. Life's fine. And there are, for those of you who are in darkness, for those of you who maybe you don't realize you're in darkness because you say, well, I'm not in darkness. There's peace and security. Everything in my life is going fine. Why do I need to worry about things? Because there are two unpredictable certainties of history, your death and Jesus' return. And at that point, at both your death and Jesus' return, you will meet Jesus and your decision will have already been made. It will have already been determined whether you are a child of the light or you are a child of the darkness. And now is the time for you to prepare to get out of the darkness and turn to Jesus Christ and run to the light. The way to prepare if you are in the darkness is to acknowledge that you're in the darkness and to run to the light. Indeed, Jesus said this himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And that is an invitation to you to turn from yourself, from wandering in the darkness, to turn to Jesus Christ. For he alone is the one who can illuminate your heart and illuminate your soul and bring you into life and light eternal from this day forth and on. And the day to prepare for that is not at some other point because you think life's going well because there's so many things going on. I've got peace and security now. No, the day to prepare for that is now. Because his return and or your death, whichever comes first, first, is certain and is unpredictable. 
So if you are in the darkness, the way you prepare is by seeking the light who is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in the light, how do you get ready for Jesus' return? Well, Paul says you need to be prepared. Not, oh, I'll get ready one day. But right now, you need to be prepared at this moment. Consider it a little bit like this. Let's suppose that you have some house guests who are coming to your house. You don't know when these house guests are going to arrive. You don't know when they're coming, but you know that they're definitely coming. And so if you have two options, one is you can try to figure out when they're going to arrive, and you can get ready all of a sudden and start yelling at everyone in your household. You can get ready all of a sudden because they're coming, and you need to get ready because they're here. That's one option. Or the other option is that you can be prepared for their arrival whenever it is that they get there. You see, the, in our household and for my extended family, the importance of being prepared at any time really is important because there's a, a joke that my extended family loves to do, which is they'll be driving across the country to, to visit somebody, and so they'll say, um, you know, we're going to you know, finish up work on Friday, and, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things going on this week, and, you know, so we'll get there sometime on Saturday. And so what they'll do is they'll finish up work, and they'll get in their car, and they'll drive through the night, and they'll knock at the door at 7 in the morning and say, we got here on Saturday. Is breakfast ready? Right? Or the other thing that they'll do is they'll say, yeah, you know what? The kids have been a mess. It's been a, it's been a, you know, we've had a late start. You know, if you can just leave the light on for us, we'll slip in and do that. And then an hour later, they knock on the door and say, ah, traffic cleared up, and, and here, 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 here we are. And now the way to counter that, at least in our extended family, was to say is that if they're coming, you're just ready for whenever they come. And it really, like, bursts their bubble. Because if they show up for breakfast and you're like, oh, I've already got the extra bacon on the griddle, like, how did that happen? But the point here is this, is that you can either scramble to get ready, which Paul says you can't do because you don't know when he's coming, or you can live in a state in which you are already prepared, that you have gotten ready, that you are anticipating and ready for his imminent return at any moment and any moment before you. So how do you get ready? He says, be prepared in particular three different ways. First one is this, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. How do you get ready? How are you prepared? By being alert. Don't be surprised at his coming. I didn't know this was going to happen. He's saying it's going to happen. He's going to come. He is going to return. He will, he will be there. Expect the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and live in that expectation. Live your life at any moment, prepared for him to come. I mean, ask yourself the question this way. If I knew that Jesus was going to definitively come back this week, what would I change about my life? If I knew that Jesus was going to definitively come back in the next five minutes, do you know what I would do? I would finish this sermon. Because we're called to live every moment in preparation for the coming of the Lord, that you are ready at any particular time for his return. And are you ready? And to be alert for his coming, and not to be surprised by that. Secondly, be, first, be alert. Secondly, be self-controlled. He says this way, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Paul says, how do you prepare? As you be alert, and secondly, is that you be self-controlled. That if you belong to the day, the day that has dawned in Jesus Christ, if you are a person of the light, then live your life like a person of the light. Let's not wallow in the darkness. Let's not wander around in our pajamas saying, is it daylight? Is it daylight? Is that the daylight is upon you. You are children of the day, the way that he describes it. You are children of light, children of the day. Therefore, live as a person who is in the light. 
not living as a person who is in the darkness doing the things of the darkness. And Paul's third admonition for being prepared is be alert, be self-controlled. Thirdly, be armed in verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, some of you will recognize Paul using the faith, love, hope, breastplate, salvation imagery. Paul uses this in a couple of different letters, and he, he, uh, he varies the symbolism. He applies, sometimes he applies faith and love to certain pieces of armor and other times to another piece of armor. But Paul's point here is this, is that the breastplate and the helmet are defensive pieces of equipment. Faith and love being the breastplate to, to defend against the attacks of the devil. The hope of salvation to be the helmet that guards your head. That you would stand against the attacks of the devil, that you would stand and withstand the evils of the night. Some of you might also notice in this the triad that Paul loves of faith, hope, and love, or faith, love, and hope here in this passage. And Paul identifies these things, that it is faith, love, and hope that is our defense against the devil and against the evil one. That it is our faith in Jesus Christ of what he has done. That that is our confidence and our trust. It is our love being expressed in particular in love for one another as we love and care for the other people who are in this journey with us and in this battle with us. Faith, love, and hope guarding our head, the hope of salvation, that our confidence is not in the things that we see, but in the certainty of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which guarantees his return when he, he, when he comes again. These three things, faith, hope, and love, also have a, a temporal orientation, that our faith is rooted in the historical acts of the past. It is backwards-looking that we look to the certain realities of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. And our faith is built upon those realities. And the way that that faith gets expressed in the present, past present, is through our love to one another. That it is being manifested. Our faith is being shown in love towards one another and actively demonstrating love towards one another in this present moment. And we strive through the challenges of life with hope which is a future orientation to the certain reality of Christ's return just as certainly as he died and rose from the grave. Now these admonitions that Paul gives, these encouragements and specific instruction of turning to the light if you're in the darkness, of being prepared for his return, Paul establishes all of this in one reason. In one reason why we are to be ready, and in fact, one reason, in fact, why we can be ready. And this is the one reason it is in verses 9 through 11. He says, you need to be prepared. Why? For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. There is one reason to be ready. In fact, there is one reason that you can even be ready. And it's not about you. And it's not about what you do and not about what you have done. It is not about what you will do or what you won't do. But it is wholly about what Jesus Christ has already done on your behalf. And Paul's declaration here, he says, Listen, if you are in the light, God did not appoint you to suffer wrath. He did not appoint you to 
the rightful and terrible condemnation and punishment that our wrongs justly and truly deserve. He did not appoint you to suffer wrath, rather, but he says here, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that you who are in the light would receive the, re- the rescue from wrath, rescue from the, the terrible condemnation that our sins deserve, that you would receive the gift of forgiveness of our guilt and shame being, being removed, that, you would, that the wrath of God would re- be removed and that you would obtain and receive salvation, which only comes through the light who is Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's a calling for each one of us to remember that our hope in the present, our hope for the future, our love in the present, our faith in the past is grounded in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, it is a call for those who don't believe in that, who think that there is peace and security in their life, to turn to Jesus Christ who alone can deliver you from his wrath and from his judgment. But there is much more. For it is not only the fact that the wrath of God is removed, but notice what it says in verse 10. That who died for us, why? So that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. In other passages of scripture, we would expect this to say, Jesus died and rose from the grave so that we might live for him. That's certainly true. But that is not Paul's emphasis here in this passage. His emphasis is that Jesus died, that he Remove the wrath of God so that we would obtain salvation and he died. Why? So that we might live not simply for him, but that we would live with him for eternity. That we would be united with him. And he says whether alive or asleep, that is, whether you're alive or you're dead, as we looked at last week for those who are asleep in Christ Jesus, that for either one, that we would live with him. That Jesus Christ died on our behalf for our benefit, for us, he's, he died for us. He died that we might live with him, united with him. Not only is the wrath of God removed, but we are united into fellowship with him for all eternity. A life that is given to us, our life due entirely to his death, where he died our death that we might live and have life with him for all eternity. And it is only if you are in the light that you will not be taken by surprise at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only if you are living in the light that you will not be taken by destruction at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so do you belong to the night or do you belong to the day? Are you one who is asleep or are you awake? Are you walking in the darkness or are you walking in the light? And Scripture would call to you, That if you are one who is in the darkness, turn to the light who is only Jesus Christ. And if you are in the light, be encouraged. For you do not belong to the night. Though the time is overlapping right now, you do not belong to the night, but you belong to the day. Because you are children of light, children of the day. And as children of the day, you cannot be ready for Jesus' return by predicting when he will come. But the only way to be ready for Jesus' return is to prepare right now, to be prepared for his return, that at any moment you say wholeheartedly, come, Lord Jesus, come. For just as Jesus died and just as certainly as he rose, so too he will come again. It is a calling for each one of us to not fall asleep, to not live as those who are in darkness, but to live as children of the light, to live in preparation 
who are prepared, who are being prepared, and who are prepared for the certain day of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, come. May we be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that it seems more certain that our grandchildren will retire than you will come in that time frame. But Father, you call us to be prepared for your imminent, certain, unpredictable, unavoidable return to this earth. And Father, Lord, we long for that day, a day that will be a day of rejoicing when we will meet the Lord face to face and we'll be with him, with those who have gone before, who have been resurrected to new life. We will be with him for all eternity. And Lord, we long for that day, and Father, we pray that you would impress that upon our hearts so that as children of the light, we would not be surprised by it, but that we would live our lives ready for your return. And Father, for those who are in darkness, Lord, we fear for that terrible day. And Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, you would draw them to yourself, Lord, that today, not some other day, that today would be the day when they cry out to you, when you the light of the world would irresistibly draw them to yourself that they might know the light and might live in the light. And Lord, we look forward to that day. Make us ready, we pray. Amen.